the fundamentals of business don't change, right? Uh, it, it's just, you know, I'm a kind of an idea guy and I look for an idea and a trend and uh, uh, really laser beam focus on execution and help uh, often, you know, build something that the founders or people who originally had the idea cannot execute on because they're, they don't have the, you know, that, that, uh, that knowledge base. So here's the big question. Have you ever been so financially frustrated from years of poor financial decisions only to wonder why didn't they teach me in school anything about how to manage money? I've spent the last 20 years learning the secrets to how money really works and how to use it to get financially free on a goal to retire early. I've realized how much of an impact we could have on the world by teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and a successful mindset. Join me as I interview some of the world's most successful business owners, coaches, and parents to get them to share their secrets on how you can not only learn, but teach these lessons to your kids to become financially free and impact your children's financial trajectory so they can avoid the frustration and go on to do great things. I'm Cody Laughlin, and this is the Money Talkers Podcast. Welcome back to Money Talkers with your host, Cody Laughlin. I have Rana Vig here with me today, and I don't even know how to introduce him because the background is so diverse and amazing. Um, I think one of the big things he's done is he's a very big philanthropist. Um, he has also been with five successful startups in different verticals, 35 years in a business career, uh, has taken two companies public, um, was in the biggest Canadian venture deals of 2018, uh, done billion dollar reverse takeovers amongst a bunch of other things that we're going to jump into. And especially one of his, um, his biggest um, pieces that he was working on now, which is Blue Lagoon Resources in dealing in metals and uh, as he mentioned, a super cycle coming. And so we're going to jump into that as well. And so with that, thank you for coming on Money Talkers, Rana. Thank you, uh, Cody. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I normally know exactly where to start, but right now I'm actually a little bit tongue twisted to figure out where to start with you. But um, let's start with this. I, I would like to learn more about you, the, the five successful startups you've had in different verticals. I'd like to ask you kind of if you could give me a, like a, you know, a pitch to what they were. And also, you know, I want to start digging into what you look for, because I'm assuming you see patterns. And, uh, and, and if you could kind of pull that curtain back, I'd be, uh, I'd be very interested to hear about that. Sure. So, you know, uh, very early on in my career, uh, I, I jumped in with my with my father in business because uh, I wasn't uh, particularly studious uh, and I wanted to get out of the university. I just uh, I, I, which, uh, I, I kind of a little bit regret. I wish I kind of finished something. But at the time, I just said, you know what, screw this. This is not uh, not for me. And uh, I, uh, I, uh, uh, my, my father had gotten involved in a, in a, in a business uh, uh, that he found. Uh, he, was a, he was a civil engineer, so not, not a background, no, no background in business, but he, but he got uh, laid off and it was a shock to a system. He was like, wow, what, what, what do you mean I'm laid off? I helped you build this company. It was a, it was a, it was a difficult time uh, uh, in the early 80s. And uh, so they got into immediately into trouble uh, in, this, in this new venture that they had. He had three other partners and that I saw that as, as an exit for me out of school. So I jumped in with them. It was in the uh, a, a fresh juice industry. And, and at the time, uh, this whole uh, uh, fresh juice movement had just kind of started. 
And so they bought a, a franchise out of California and, uh, and, you know, the Safeways and, you know, the, the big stores, uh, supermarkets would, would make this fresh juices. So this, these machines uh, did that. So I helped out in that and helped uh, uh, take that into a, a significant, uh, built into a significant company that eventually got sold. And then uh, after that, uh, you know, it just moved on to something else. They found a, um, a, a, a fitness product. Out of, you know, Jane Fonda had made this, these, uh, the, if you're going to remember that name, uh, uh, fitness, uh, low impact aerobics, very popular in, in those days. And there was these four do doctors who had created this very unique little uh, weight that you strapped on your ankles and your wrists. You know, in those days, Weeder was the big, uh, uh, you know, the big muscle fitness guy. He had these, these uh, very clunky weights that you would strap onto your, onto your, uh, onto your wrists and, and ankles. Anyways, so we took that company over for almost nothing, built that and eventually uh, exited, exited out of that. So that was in the, in the fitness industry. And then after that, uh, moved into uh, media. So, you know, my, my background is just, is different. People often say to me, you know, how can you move from one industry to another? And it's because the fundamentals of business don't change, right? Uh, it, it's just, you know, I'm a kind of an idea guy and I look for an idea and a trend and uh, uh, really laser beam focus on execution and help uh, often you know, build something that the founders or people who originally had the idea cannot execute on because they don't have the, you know, that, that, uh, that knowledge base. You know, that's really interesting you say that. And by the way, we had a juicer in the early 80s and it would take like 40 oranges to make a glass of orange juice. <laughs> 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 I remember doing it in our kitchen, but <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's, it's amazing that you say that. And so I wondered, so I had the same sense of feeling that I believe that whatever business I could be put into, I could figure out that there's certain levers to pull. And so what are the levers that you look for to take a great idea and turn it into a business? You know, the, the key for me is, is uh, past proof of concept. You know, I learned very early on that uh, people have lots of great ideas and, you know, the, the, and, and lots of uh, ways to think they can, that the world's going to change, you know, with their, you know, new invention. But, uh, you know, that's uh, uh, too much bleeding edge for me, right? I would prefer that, uh, and I learned this the hard way, right, is that to, to look for something that the, the person who came up with the idea has gone through, you know, the pains of getting it to the next level where there is some distribution, there is some sales, there is some acceptance of, of the product or the service or whatever they're, they're, uh, they're taking. Because that's the point that I find that, you know, you're just at that curve that you can now come in and provide the right marketing, the right finance, the, you know, the, the right uh, uh, tools, I guess, that are required at that time, because that's when you can really leverage and grow. And that's where I really shine. I uh, 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 learned, as I said, uh, you know, painfully to not get into a business uh, too early, uh, because it's just, uh, on, honestly, it's just, uh, uh, and, I, and I don't mean this with any disrespect to people who have you know, ideas and, and you know, they, they, they believe in them and they want to they do it, but it's just not for me. I, I want to find something that is just at the beginning, just at that beginning of that, uh, that spike that's about to happen. So, um, you know, when I hear that, I talk to business owners because I see entrepreneurial traps, right, a lot of times. And I think that's kind of where you're finding those people, which is like the founder came in, had a good idea, built a business, but now they're not doing the things that they're good at anymore, right? And a lot of times it's, it, what is it, the e-myth? Right, where you take the the painter and he turns into the buys he opens up the paint company, or the guy you know was the cook and all of a sudden he wants to own the restaurant, doesn't understand food margins and all the kind of 
numbers and things and the yeah. operational tightening down to get them back out of being the the accountant and the marketing guy and get them back into what a zone of genius is. So when you look at companies to take over, do you typically keep the founder as the idea driver or do you guys take them out and, and, and move forward? No, uh, you know, you look for people, you look for management that is committed and has, and has the understanding that they have taken the, the, the business to, you know, uh, act level X and in order to get it to why new skills and new ideas have to come together, but often uh, they are the driving force. Uh, so you find you look for people who are open to that. You know, too many times I find entrepreneurs, uh, and I've had many many deals that uh, you know we didn't do because of that single reason. Even though the the idea was great, looked like the business was gonna you know had really a lot of potential. But the entrepreneurs were so uh, wanted to keep the, such a tight grip on that on their on their on their on their uh, sort of uh, you know the, on their company that you think well why am I coming in here what, you know if you're not going to listen to me if you're not going to you know take any direction then I, I, you know, all you, all you want is to be, for me to write a big check or to to uh, you know to raise the capital you know that's not going to work and and so I, I uh, that's one of the first things that I look for in meetings is what is their attitude about uh, you know team building and 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 see I learned a long time ago I'm not that smart so you know I want to be the dumbest guy in the room always every meeting I get into every place I want I want to surround myself with extraordinary people that are 10 times 100 times smarter than me and that's really what I'm looking for in other individuals because I believe that's one of the keys in order to really build a great company. You know, I went through that. Um, we went through family offices coming in, private equity, publicly traded company. I thought we had to deal with publicly traded company. And um, I wasn't aware of how many of the pieces I was in. So it wasn't even a part where I said, you know what, uh, I want, I'm not going to give up control. I didn't know that I was controlling everything, right? Mm -hmm. But I felt it later. So we went through a process, a uh, book called Traction, but we went through this process of offloading a lot of that stuff from me. And what ended up happening is the company actually took off like a rocket and they came back a year later and bought us. Um, but I, they, they didn't want to buy because they didn't want to pull me out of this company to run 20 of them, which is what they wanted me to do. But it was weird because I didn't know I was in this shoebox of controlling everything until I realized like I wasn't letting people buy certain kinds of light bulbs or like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got pennies on my mind instead of chasing the, the thousands of dollars a day I could produce. You know, and it was just, uh, it was, I wonder as you go into deals and you see these things, like, is it, uh, it, do you think that there's the founders that are in that trap and don't know it? Oh, 100%. You know, one of the, one of the, one of the uh, unfortunate things in life that I really thought, I thought everybody was knew this, but they don't, is self-awareness. So, you know, you just, the example you just gave, you know, you became self-aware that, hey, what am I doing? And I often tell, tell my kids, right, you know, be often the fly on the wall. Look at yourself. What are you doing? What are you saying? How are you connecting yourself in meetings and in, in, in what you're doing? And if you do that and observe yourself, you know, you, it's amazing what you learn. And I thought this was just obvious to people. But uh, over the years, I've learned how little people have, uh, you know, that awareness. So I think it's very important uh, to, to be able to do that. Because what that does is it, it suddenly... Uh, gets you to understand that, hey, you know what, uh, you're not really supposed to be working in the business, you're supposed to be working on the business, right? And if you are just doing it day to day, uh, like you just mentioned, uh, your, your example, it's not going to grow, 
right? Or it'll grow, yeah. it'll grow and it'll stagnate, but it'll never get to any great heights. That's what we did. We got to $37 million a year and just stuck there for three years and went through this process. For me, the main thing I realized I was doing was that when people asked me questions, I didn't give them an answer. It was like, let me think about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was a massive lesson uh, to turn around and say, you know what? I, told, and I, told, I didn't tell anybody and I said, for two weeks, I'm going to give an answer. I don't care what they ask me on the spot, give them an answer. And it was amazing what I found out was that they were only bringing me about 40% of the questions because most of the time they'd walk around and go, oh, he's too busy. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and out here I was probably with, you know, with the most experience or biggest, at least highest view of the company to know where the effects were happening, if they were going to happen somewhere else. And I wasn't, I, I wasn't being utilized at all because I was, I was worried about the, you know, and I think it was more of a death by a thousand cuts, right? Where like, yeah. I didn't start off like seven years earlier and was like, I'm going to be, you know, overwhelmed and all this stuff. And by the time I, I had this self-awareness I said, okay, like I need to step out and release the control to all these people and give them parameters. And when I did that, the company took off like a rocket. Yeah, I had more time. I had more money. I had, I, I, I slept a lot better. <laughs> And we became yeah, viable. You're, yeah, you're empowering these people. I mean, there's a reason why you had you know bought, brought them on in the first place. But I think that's what happens often as an entrepreneur. You know, it's a it's a it's a classic mistake that many of us make, right? Is that we just hang on to so much of these ideas, and then you, eventually you become the bottleneck. Yeah, you know, that's what it was, <laughs> right? And everything yeah. just stagnates, and people start to feeling well. There's no point asking, or they they don't you know. So they're not really uh, making the contributions that, that you know that uh, that they they should be making or you brought them in for making and yeah it's a it's a tremendous feeling when you become that when you become aware of that and you you, you let that go and you watch you know your little baby thrive right yeah so my one rule was if you made a decision whether it was a good decision or a bad decision and i asked you why you made it you just have to have your reasons if you had to use the most data you had at the time to make the decision then good to go if you told me, I don't know, then it was like, okay, now we need to go back to the drawing board and start figuring out why the decision-making does what we need to work on. And it was amazing. Right. The, the, the little headaches of all, all day long as an entrepreneur that you feel just started releasing. And then I was able to go do back to my zone of genius, you know, yeah, it's often, and often I think, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm not sure if you agree, but I think often we don't give those answers because we're a little bit uncertain, uh, you know, uh, uh, and we're a little afraid of that failure. But you just said a very important thing. You know, you make the decision based on the data that you have, right? So, I mean, that's all you can do. And if you overthink <laughs> it, you know, you get stuck in this uh, in this never-never uh, land of not making that decision. And then everything stagnates and doesn't move forward. Yeah, I, and the thing is, I was taking it home. I was thinking about it all the time. I was collecting the monkeys. I don't know if you remember that one-minute monkey manager or whatever it is. And he's like, the, the, the problems, they just drop them off as monkeys. Yeah. And uh, it, the thing was, I, I figured out, and I've, I've lived by this since was like, it's better to make a decision with the data that you have and then correct the decision if it was wrong faster yes. than it was to make the decision later because I felt like I still had the same probability of being right or wrong. Maybe I got a little more data, but generally mm -hmm. I was going to be the right or wrong a month from now, two months from now, or right on the spot. It was about the same percentage of, I felt like anyway, I never tracked it exactly, but sure. at least if I made this mistake and I made the wrong decision, I knew much faster so I could correct it. And that's when the speed took off for us. Yeah. And it also, that process also allows you to hone your skills, right? You know, so, cause you, cause it's very important to reflect, you know, it's amazing. Uh, I, I, uh, 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 I'm amazed at how few people actually sit down and think 
And you know what I mean by that is, you know, we have all day long, we, we, we have all these thoughts, we're racing, you know, and, and you know, uh, uh, and the day goes by, you know, very quickly. But how many people actually sit down every day for, let's say, 30 minutes, right, and, uh, and, and reflect on the day, and really just think about what's happening today, or what's going to happen tomorrow. In other words, reviewing the plan, you know, and, and, and more, listen, the fact of the matter is more, 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 uh, more time is spent on planning a vacation than their life, people's lives, right? Yeah, that's right. I, uh, I could tell you from experience, I mean, I keep coming back, I don't, I'm trying to make the show for me, but like, the same thing I started at that point, I started um, uh, working out an hour a day after I left. And I mean, in that hour on a treadmill with nothing but AirPods in and, and my phone, I, I mean, I just had ideas flowing out of me that I was taking notes into because I was taking that time to kind of just not handle any problems or not get caught in the unimportant, urgent stuff. You know, it was time yeah. to work on the important and unurgent stuff that uh, really kind of built into me. And so, um, but I, so I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about what you did in 2018 um, with Curaleaf. Uh, can you kind of explain what the company is? And then uh, you did it near a billion dollar reverse takeover. And I would love for you to peel back the onion and tell me what that is. Well, you know, I got involved in the capital and most of my, most of my career, I was in the, uh, in the, in the private business. I was like, you know, there's those five startups we talked about earlier. And then, and about 10 years ago, I got involved in uh, the capital markets at, at, uh, at the suggestion of a friend of mine, who's a very, very successful venture capitalist, uh, worth like over $300 million. He made, he made most of his money in mining. Uh, in, uh, in exploration companies uh, uh, originally. So uh, in 2008, 2009 had just happened, you know, it was a, it was a very depressing time, you know, and uh, so I was looking for a change. And so he invited me to jump. So I jumped into the capital markets in mining. Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, I put over a million dollars into, into the markets and uh, within about six months, it was all evaporated. It was worth like 10 grand. I was like, holy smokes, what, what, this was not the plan, right? But, you know, that's entrepreneurship. I mean, it doesn't always go your way. Uh, what happened was that the, the whole mining sector collapsed, right? He lost millions. You know, I, I lost a whole bunch of money. But so I took over. I ended up taking over the, these, these mining companies, uh, uh, not, knowing, not, not knowing much about mining. But as I mentioned earlier, the fundamentals of business don't change, whether you're running a furniture company or a movie theater or, you know, you know, or, or a RV uh, uh, you know, dealership. Um, so uh, I took over these companies, learned the ropes, but by 2018, the mining sector still hadn't rebounded. So I, but I had learned a lot about public companies and made a lot of contacts. And I thought, I thought to myself, look, I've learned a lot here. I've got to look at what's, what's the trend and I've got to focus in laser beam focus on that. And the trend at the time was cannabis. Cannabis was you know, really, really hot, uh, particularly in Canada and, and the US was just you know, uh, uh, developing and coming. So uh, Canada, I thought, was overheated, and uh, I, uh, I focused in, 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 uh, in uh, the United States. And this company, Cureleaf, out of Boston, wanted to go public. So I was very, very fortunate to be able to talk to them. And to, so I took my mining uh, exploration company and did a reverse takeover and changed the business and took, over, and, 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 and took that Cureleaf public uh, via that reverse takeover. It was, it was nearly... A, a little over $5 billion valuation at the time of that company it was a $520 million raise, which was the biggest cannabis raise in Canadian history. So the say, company, but your mining company turned into the Cureleaf. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Because what was happens it publicly is, traded in Canada? 
Yeah, so it's a it's a it's a it's a little uh, uh, sort of a legal maneuver, you know. So rather than rather, so what what happens is you you have an existing company that's in it on a on a exchange mm-hmm. that is actually a, a trading, and you want to do a a, a change. Where, of where was it trading? It was trading on the uh, Canadian Stock Exchange CSE. Okay, and so, and so when basically you t- you bought the company and then took them over as the, I don't know, not the parent, but like. That, that became the company front name and everything else, but then they were able to do a capital raise because it was already in the public markets as a Yeah, stock. you're not so much buying them, it's like a, it's like a share exchange, right? So what you're doing basically yeah. is the shareholders of that existing aspiration company, you know, um, uh, 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 do a reverse takeover and, and the private, that private company now becomes the parent, right? it becomes the, the, the you know, entity. And, you know, uh, because cannabis was hot, um, you know, they had no issue raising all sorts of money. It was it was just incredible. People were throwing money left, right, and center. Uh, and uh, yeah, it did it did extremely well. It's still doing well. It's trading at about a twelve billion dollar market cap right now. I think the stock's at about in Canada. It's about twenty dollars, uh, trading at about twenty dollars. So, and then uh, I was very fortunate. Uh, 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 shortly after that, uh, I the cannabis sector was still hot, and I was able to do it again. I found a company out of Arizona called Harvest Health and Recreation. And uh, that was the third largest uh, in 2018. It was a $300 million raise and nearly a $2 billion uh, reverse takeover. So did you so reverse I'm, takeover them with the same company or did you have a get involved I, to, to broker? As, I was involved. <laughs> I was involved with another, another, I was the CEO of a, 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 another uh, mining exploration company and they came to me and, and uh, well, I wasn't the CEO at the time. They came to me and said, Hey, we really like what you did with the cure leaf. The, this cannabis company is still, or the cannabis sector is still very hot. Uh, we have, it was actually an oil and gas company. And they said, you know, we haven't made any money in the oil and gas sector for 10 years. Uh, so I said, well, yeah, I'd be interested if I could uh, come and take over. And so I restructured that, uh, that uh, uh, oil and gas company and uh, went and found this uh, Harvest Health and Rec and uh, they liked my track record. And uh, we did the same thing with them and took them public and uh, they're trading on the CSC now. So does Curaleaf still own the mining companies? No, no, no. That, <laughs> what do the money guys think about this? That's what I was well, curious. About. <laughs> you know, well, you know, you you, you call it a mining. It, it, you know, we call it a mining because it's not really mining. It's actually exploration, right? Very yeah. few of these companies actually ever become mining companies. Really, you know, it's mining exploration because what happens is, you know, you you have to go and find the stuff before you can become a mine whether yeah. it's gold or silver or, you know, copper or what have you. So, and there's, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of these. And this was just a, a mechanism that the, uh, see the American cannabis companies could not go uh, public in, in, the, in the United States because of the federal laws. They can't so bank, they found right? this way to raise capital. They couldn't raise capital. So they found this mechanism, these, these, these poor little exploration companies that were uh, starving. They found this mechanism to go and, and, and do a deal with them do the reverse takeover and raise the money. And next thing you know, you know, they're public and they're thriving now. That's a, uh, that is extremely interesting the way to, to be able to put those, the puzzle together, you know? <laughs> and so, um, and then you've, you've then moved into now blue lagoon. Is that what happened after? So you, you had the, the Arizona company took public and, uh, and put it on exchange. And, I, and my understanding is that they can't, they can't get to the public side in the U.S. because of the fact that, like, they can't do banking. There's still a federal charter issue with those kinds of things, right? Yeah, because it's 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 kind of a, a it's Very a mess, gray, right? right? Because yeah, it's a mess because every every state there's many states that have allowed you know it, it's legal now yeah. whether it's whether it's recreational or whether it's medical only. But unfortunately, at the federal level, right, it's you know marijuana is still classified as a Schedule One drug, so so they can't do banking. There's all sorts of tax issues. 
you know, it is expected, and that's why the industry is coming back, you know, in a in a, uh, uh, in a big way right now because with the new you know Biden administration and the Democrats, it is expected they are going to ease it. They are much more supportive than the Republicans uh, to uh, to legalize. So the the industry is is just back on fire. Yeah, because I remember it took off like a rocket. And then it basically, and then it was shot back down the other side, a exactly. lot of it, as they were consolidating and trying to figure out who the players and the winners were and all that kind of stuff. Yes. It was kind of like, everybody's great. <laughs> and it was all about the same time with, with crypto too, because I remember both of them were going crazy. That's right. And then they both kind of took a break because it was like, all right, wait, we got thousands of these things. We need to figure it out. And it seems like yeah. now it's it's like you've got real companies and you know real use of coins and like like Bitcoin is now emerged as a winner. Because yeah, the big yeah. banks are trading into it. And so I'm assuming that like the same thing with cannabis is about to happen where if they pull this federal, I don't know, a charter mandate law, whatever you want to call it, and they pull that, there will be institutional money that's available to go into these kind of things, right? And and, and you hit it, uh, you know, right on the head there. You know, that's what happens. You know, the, the market, it, it, it becomes a frenzy, mm-hmm. it, you know, and so everything just goes just, just nuts. Every company just, you know, like, you know, all like this, you know, all ships, you know, rise, right, with that, with that rising tide. So that's what happened. But eventually people take a pause and say, well, wait a minute here, right? What is the real companies? And that's, that's what, what's going to happen. So that's what happened to me. So and after I did that, I saw that retraction. I thought, okay, what do I feel is the next trend? And, uh, and I, I thought, you know, I started in, in mining exploration and it's a, it's a very cyclical business. It had been about 10 years. And I thought, you know what, with all the money printing that's going on around the world, governments are broke everywhere. Uh, and uh, this uh, gold loves that environment. And then on top of that, you know, you got the, all these riots that were happening, you know, uh, not just, in, not just in, the, in the United States, but all over the world. And you had this uh, pandemic that, you know, I mean, who could have predicted all this at the same time? So all that chaos uh, is, is what the precious metals really thrive on, gold thrives on. And so everybody thought I was crazy in 2019 when I decided to launch this Blue Lagoon Resources. I said, no, you know what? I, I think this is the right time to get into uh, mine back into mining and particularly gold and silver. So I launched Blue Lagoon Resources, uh, which uh, trades on the on, here in the CSC as well as in, uh, uh, in, in, in the US uh, on the OTCQB. And uh, it's, a, it's a gold and silver focus company. So uh, are you on the exploration side or the, or the mining or the holding side? Well, we are actually in a very uh, unique situation because uh, what happened was, you know, again, I look for trends, I look for deals. What had happened here was uh, the, the, I found this company, uh, this little company, private company that had spent $28 million on developing a mine. And, uh, but uh, they were literally at the 99 yard line. They, they just had that one last yard to go. $2 million is all they needed uh, to put this mine into production. And, but they were 83 years old and the partners and uh, not in the best of health. So they needed an exit. So along I came and I picked them up for an all stock deal. I mean, it was just an amazing deal for us. Uh, you know, no cash, all stock. So we are in a very unique situation. We are very, very close to actually being in production. But then we have a very large land package, about 19,000 hectares. And my predecessors had only focused on this tiny little area where, the, uh, where they were developing the mine and didn't, didn't spend any money on exploration. So that's where we come in. We're going to put this mine into production, and we, we believe that we'll be able to make that decision later this year. And then with that free cash flow uh, that it'll generate, we will go in and put that into back into the ground and explore uh, you know, that vast area because we believe there's lots more there uh, you know, to, uh, to be able to, uh, to develop. And so you're going after gold and silver, uh, particularly in the area? 
Yeah, this this uh, this mine has a, this particular uh, vein that we're working on right now has a one to four ratio. So we got for every one ounce of gold, we got four ounces of silver. Mm. So it's uh, it's it's and which is very exciting because you know silver is uh, expected to even do better than gold. Uh, you know, just the way you know everyone's talking about right now. Do you uh, do you feel any part of the crypto portion being the alternative to gold because there wasn't really a lot of alternatives before paper fiat money. Yeah. with with before it used to just be gold like it was you could tell that that was where the store was going to be and so i'm curious on your thoughts between like the bitcoins of the world uh as now a secondary alternative well that's exactly you know what's happened uh you know gold had been predicted to skyrocket uh, right now i mean it's it's hanging around seventeen hundred dollars uh an ounce but it was expected to go to 2500 and beyond um, but Bitcoin took a little bit of that uh, thunder out of it because, you know, markets are driven uh, now, especially because there's so much retail by somebody who tweets out what. So, you know, <laughs> you, you saw Elon Musk tweet out about uh, Bitcoin. Suddenly it just it skyrocketed. So all the money started pouring into crypto rather than rather than gold. So I think it, it, it is uh, a, definitely an alternative. But you know what? Gold's been around for thousands of years. It's been the, it's been you know it, it's money. So long term, uh, I, I think the jury's still out whether whether crypto is going to you know last. Uh, uh, I mean, I believe it's here to stay. Certainly, blockchain I think is here to stay. Yeah, but, the functionality uh, of it. Yeah, but I think that gold is uh, is going to see much much better days uh, here coming. Uh, because the fundamentals just support it's not even that gold needs to go higher with all this money that's being printed basically the dollar is being devalued mm -hmm. so it's not even that gold's price is going higher it's that it's it's it's, it's just devalued I mean, if you look at it back in the 70s right uh, uh, gold was about 35 dollars an ounce i mean and one way to think of it is if you took an ounce of gold and you buried it in your backyard and, and next to it you took 35 dollars and you put it in a bag plastic bag and buried it next to it and now fast forward to 2021 dug it back out, you know, what's that one ounce worth? It's worth $1,700. What's the $35 worth, the cash worth? You know, a couple of cups at Starbucks, right? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? I, yeah. that, so the value, the, the devaluation of the currency really is, is, is the challenge. I'm trying to think of the book. It's extremely famous where the guy is digging for gold and he gets about three feet from it and quits. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, what book uh, is that? It's a... Uh, yeah, uh, I know what you mean. It's, it's I mean, super it's famous. And I can't, it's driving me nuts. I can't, you were talking about how the guy's got $27 million into it. And they're just like, ah, we're yeah. done. <laughs> like we're kind of stuck to the end. I'm trying to think of what that is. I, I actually think I have it on my bookshelf and I'm, it's, it's a yeah. book from like the twenties and I can't, it's one of the most famous like uh, success books out there. But. I actually read that when I was a kid and you're right. I, I can't remember <laughs> the name though, but that, but I, yeah, it's a, it's a, I very think it might be a Dale Carnegie thing, but I'm trying to remember off the top of my head and I can't think of what it is, but anyway. Uh, um, so what do you see? I mean, obviously you're putting your chips in on, um, on hard metals right now. Um, you had mentioned offline before we started talking about um, a super cycle what do you see? Like what, what's in your, what's in your wheelhouse? I mean, you've obviously been in a lot of different businesses. You have a framework uh, to where you look for, uh, you don't fight the tide, right? Is that, yeah. you know, you're looking at, okay, where are things shifting in the future? And let me go get somebody in there and go be there when it comes. Right. Is that, that sounded kind of, that's exactly what, that's exactly what it is. You know, I, I, you know, it's much easier to swim, uh, you know, with, you know, uh, you know, the current than against it. Right. Uh, 
look, I, I, put, I put a lot of money into this company, you know, personally. Uh, I just added a million shares, uh, you know, to my personal position. Uh, so I own about just under 5% of the company now. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's when, when, when precious metals, when anything in the stock market uh, becomes a frenzy, uh, the stocks just go nuts. Like, you know, cannabis was one example. Every morning I used to wake up and wow, my portfolio literally would be up 5%, 10%, 8% every day. I mean, it was just ridiculous. I was like, whoa, what is going on here? Uh, <laughs> I remember I had happened. people coming up to ask me about it all the time. And they were like, oh, I'm buying Tilray and I'm buying, you know, uh, all these different ones. And I'm like, they're like, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know anything about it, man. And I was like, is there a business? <laughs> yeah. Like, but, yeah. but it's everybody wants it. I'm like, but is there a business? Like that's yes. what I, you know, you kind of come back to that. And that's what I wanted to also ask you about Bitcoin and, and those kinds of things. Like as an alternative storage, do you think we're in that frenzy? Um, you know, watching something quadruple in value in two months for no reason, uh, other than people say it's worth more. Well, that, and that's the <laughs> fundamental challenge I have with some of these things, right? So, you know, and why I've invested in, you know, for example, you know, Blue Lagoon Resources is because, you know, we're going to, it's a real business. We're going to grow the business, which is why the share price will get, eventually will catch up and reflect. So, you know, how do you do that? Well, right now we're going to put the mine into production. So it's worth X right now, right? You know, we're trading at about a $35 million market cap. All right. So, but when we put it into production, that should easily you know, uh, rise uh, significantly, especially if gold you know, rises, because suddenly the gold that we're going to mine is worth a lot more, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just very basic. And then, of course, if we go when we go explore and we find more, well, that's also further going to increase the value of, of that. So, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's real tangible uh, things. And lots of these companies, uh, you know, these cannabis companies that you, you know that, you, that we talked about earlier, lots of them went by, you know, uh, failed. Or were picked up by the big, you know, by the by the big boys because they really weren't viable, and yeah. it was just a frenzy. So investors have to take a look at that. That, you know, is the management team solid? Do they have a track record? Right? You know, is uh, are the are the properties or you know whatever the business is? Is it real and does it have potential to grow? And if you do that, uh, and you know you're you're in the right environment uh, for in, in this case, uh, the, you know super cycle. So if you believe that yes, money is being devalued, and if you believe that gold and silver are very likely to go up, then you know you're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna do very well in uh, in uh, in this uh, precious metals uh, super cycle that I believe is about to uh, just about to begin. So. Um... Because I, I listened to you as you talk through the different businesses that you've been into, and it really wasn't a matter of the businesses. It was more about the framework that you could fit into the business. And so that's why I wanted to, excuse me, that's why I wanted to ask you that question. Because if it's not a real business, I don't see, like I see where the operations, I see your expertise to be the, the, uh, the vision, the operations, and really dialing in focused wise. And so as you guys go to explore, it, it's, it's think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. <laughs> I just remembered. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> that was the book. <laughs> but as the operations come into play, um, and you have these these kind of you're, you're sitting on a powder keg, right? And so as you're waiting for it to take off, and that's pretty awesome. Um, and you mentioned uh, that it's traded on an OTC market. What is that? 
Yeah, so, you know, there are a number of uh, different uh, uh, ways to go public. So for, for, for Canadian companies, you know, one of the easiest things to, once you get listed on, the, on one of the Canadian stock exchanges, is to, is to go uh, and uh, get a ticker symbol on the over-the-counter market in, in the U.S. And there's different tiers, right? Uh, the OTC is the, uh, over-the-counter is, the, is the most bottom you know, tier, but then you know, they have also what they call the QB and the QX. So it's just, it just allows for uh, easier trading uh, for, for retail investors because retail investors are, are, are very, you know, the key. It also allows for uh, companies to be more accountable so that there, there's more disclosure requirements. Mm-hmm. So that's where we, so we trade uh, under the symbol BLAGF uh, on the OTCQB. So if, so if people were to, you know, uh, 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 Google or go to Yahoo and, or to see Blue Lagoon Resources, they would, they would see a ticker symbol in, in, in Canada, BLLG, and they would see a, a ticker symbol in the United States uh, as a BLAGF. And that, so, and then just my curious, I'm going to go for the last question for you is how, what, what are the qualifications to get to that when you take something public like that in the OTCs and those kind of stuff? Like, do they, is it, in, because like you said, you're not in production yet. So it's kind of a pre-production. Do you produce assets? Do you produce uh, potentials? How, what does that look like behind the scenes? Uh, the exchange has uh, in Canada, uh, you know, uh, has uh, certain rules, certain metrics, so they look at management team, uh, you know, who the directors are, what their backgrounds are, uh, financials to make sure that, you know, there's, there's enough capital there in order to be able to execute on whatever the business plan has been presented. So there's a, there's a review process uh, before you're able to uh, go public. So they actually vet the owners and not the owners or necessarily because it's, uh, you know, maybe a bunch of owners, but uh, they actually vet the management team to be able to allow you to bring it to market. The directors, for sure, yeah, they want to, they want to make sure there's no criminal records. There's a, there's a, they do all background checks, oh, 100%. Wow, okay. I, I mean, I can, it makes a lot of sense. I just never thought about that. I just would think that they would, you know, value into the, the business as opposed to the management team coming into it. That's, a, that's very interesting. Um, Raina, um, who should find out what you're doing and, uh, and where do they find you? Uh, I'm, the best way to, is, is just to go to our, uh, our company website, bluelagoonresources.com. There's an uh, email uh, link there. I'm, you know, I'm a very engaged CEO. I love talking to, you know, uh, shareholders or potential shareholders or investors or anybody who's, who, who just wants to you know, have a conversation. I, I try to get back to everybody. Sometimes it takes a little while, but, uh, but I do tr- try my best to, uh, to get back to everybody. Uh, that's probably the, the best and easiest way to, to, to reach out uh, at me. And who is just uh, basically people who are, uh, if, if they're certainly in, uh, interested in investing, uh, uh, you know, this is, a, I, I firmly believe that this is not the time to be uh, a spectator because you're not getting any yield in, in a, sitting in a bank. You know, the money sitting in the bank isn't doing anything. It's doing uh, something. It it's going. It's going the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. You're losing every every day. You know, you're, you're losing your your whatever you got. Your, that's what, and that's so, what you're betting on too. So, right. So, uh, so if you have a little bit of a you know risk appetite, you have to look at that. Obviously, you know, uh, you know, we can't give uh, uh, professional. Uh, we can't give uh, investment advice, but you know, people should uh, you know if they have a, a, a uh, you have to look at their risk profile and get and get professional advice. But if they you know are open to uh, 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 these micro caps, and they want to, uh, you know, uh, not uh, miss basically, you know, this uh, potential su- uh, precious metal super cycle. You know, they should take a look at it and see your company. Well, and there's many more. We're just, yeah. you know, we're just one. We're just one of them. Uh, you know, that we're talking about today, Blue Lagoon, Blue Lagoon Resources. 
Awesome, man. Well, hey, listen, I really appreciate you pulling back the curtain and kind of letting us peek into these big, giant deals that you do. You talk so casually about them. And so uh, I, I, I think it's a really awesome what you're doing. I'm, maybe we'll have to do it again so we can talk more about your philanthropy side, because I know that's a big part to you. And uh, I really appreciate coming on Money Talkers with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Money Talkers with me, your host, Cody Laughlin. If you found this episode helpful in your pursuit of financial dominance, it really helps if you make sure to leave a five-star rating and share it with your friends or family members who could use good financial information and entrepreneurial success tips. I invite you to join the Money Talkers community Facebook group. Open Facebook and search for Money Talkers to join today. Follow us on Instagram at the Money Talkers for inspirational mindset posts, encouragement, and investing tips. And remember, the one thing you can do to change your kid's financial future is to start talking about money with them because you are a money talker.